You are listening to the When Life Stops podcast, season two, with your host, Daytola and Stella. We are both moms who have loved and lost, and we're so glad to have you listening. Every week, you would hear more about our stories, some relatable interviews, as well as practical tips that you can apply to help you find new meaning after loss. Let's dive in. Welcome to episode five, season two of the When Life Stops podcast. We are glad to be back. Thank you to all our listeners who keep tuning in. We read your comments and we just want to say thank you for all the love and encouragement. So I'm here again with the lovely Detola. Hi, Detola. Hi, Stella. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? I'm excited to be back. I know, I know. So excited to have you back today. Today is a really special episode because we have another special guest. Yay. <laughs> and we're going to be introducing her shortly to you. Yes, yes, yes. So before we dive in, according to Tommy.org, an estimated one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. That is one in five if we only count women who, re- who realized and reported the miscarriage. And about one in 100 women in the UK experience recurrent miscarriages. That is three or more in a row. So today, we'll be looking at the topic of moving forward after a miscarriage. And we are so honored to have the very lovely Kemi Faloye with us today. Hi, Kemi. Hello. Hi. Thanks, Stella and Hi, Kemi. We are so thrilled to have you on here. Come share on this very sensitive but very important topic. And thank you so much for accepting our invitation to share your story with us. So let's kick the let's kick this off. Um, so Kemi, could you tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself and you know share your lost story with us? Yes. Um, my name is Kemi Faloye. I'm the first child of three children, and I've got two brothers. Um, I've been married for 15 years um, and um, wow. I've got, um, I'm married to Sean Faloye. I've got three lovely children. Um, I work with the local authority <laughs> as a governance mm-hmm. professional and um, I'm a Christian. So share with us um, your lost story. Okay. We want to yes. hear a little bit about your journey. Yes. Okay, thank you, Stella. Um, we got married um, in January 2006. And um, um, because um, my husband was going to be relocating to Nigeria, because I was already in the UK then, we felt we should wait for the first year. So I think um, in February 2007 was when I felt pregnant. I didn't I was pregnant then. I had pains and the GP said I should go to the hospital and I was told I had a miscarriage. And that's where my journey of um, miscarriages started. And um, it led on to 11 miscarriages up till um, oh, wow. no- um, November 2010 was when I had the 11th miscarriage. 
and um, after and that was before I had um, then I fell pregnant and I had my first son December 2011 and after him I had three more miscarriages between 2014 and 2015 and then I had a set of twins in August um sorry in March 2017 so I have um, gone through, I think um, the shock for me was I didn't know I was pregnant, even though I wasn't planning um, the, for that first day, I wasn't planning to fall pregnant because we, I wanted to settle down and give ourselves some time. So, and because I'd been on contraceptive, I'd not seen my period. So when I started in 2007, when I had a strange pain, and I went to the GP that, oh, my period has come back, but it's coming back with so much pain. She now said, I don't think it's a period. I think um, you need to go to A&E. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think anything of it. So I went to A&E. Of course, they did all the tests. I think by the time they did blood tests, they found I was pregnant. Then they did a scan and wow. they told me there was no heartbeat. I think I was shocked because first I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting, I wasn't thinking that way. And um, yes, and um, about the pregnancy, because it was just then I was not planning, maybe now when a year has gone, we should start planning. So I wasn't thinking it was going to be so sudden. And um, then the way I was just told was, oh, sorry, you've had a miscarriage. I mean, no explanation or did you know you were pregnant? Oh, wow. It was such a big shock. And um, I was crying I was shocked because I'd never had I didn't know what to do my husband and I didn't know what to do and and I think the nurse later because she saw me really crying she said oh don't worry it happens wow don't worry everybody it happens don't worry next time you'll be fine and I was discharged and I went home wow. and, and I just thought okay they said it happens okay maybe it happens to everybody mm. I know one mm. so we tried again. Three months later, I felt pregnant. I was happy. And just as I found I was pregnant, I started bleeding. Wow. Rushed to the hospital. So the same thing. And I think this was when I just thought, no, it can't be happening. And I think for us then, I couldn't, we didn't tell our parents as well. Because we felt um, that, um, okay, still early days um let's wait a bit i was we we're trying to make sense of what was happening really mm -hmm. answers. i'm like okay it's happened a second time and i said don't worry and because i didn't i wasn't giving any support asked if i wanted to talk to anyone mm. i was just just mm. low just myself and my and she were just there looking at each other wondering what do we do with this information i wasn't giving any and i think they just used to give me after the second miscarriage they just gave me leaflets and um, wow let um mm -hmm. oh, read this about grieving the loss of pregnant and i just couldn't understand it it was just so sad even the leaflet didn't mm -hmm. even help me it made me a bit more um sad sad <laughs> yes that's the right word it made me really sad and I just thought, okay, maybe I need to pray more. I need to do something. And I started searching for answers. I was trolling the internet. Then I remember hearing someone talk about a book some years back before I got married. Um, it was titled The Supernatural Childbirth by Chakimis. Mm. 
Yeah, I love that book. Buy the book. I bought the book. I read it back to front. And I think I was encouraged after reading that book. You know, the lady spoke about our journey Mm. as well, going through pregnant um, losses and, you know, and she also shared stories about other women, you know, she had met as well that had gone through losses and had their miracle babies. So in that book, I think the highest number of miscarriages anyone suffered was three. So I felt, okay, since it's three, I can't have more than three. Mm. And I was praying and uh, I didn't stop believing. And after the three, they said, oh, this when we would do. I think for the third miscarriage, they took the product of the fetus. You know, it was it was very small, but they said they wanted to test it. Hmm. But I didn't get any answers from them anyway. Wow. And we left. That was I was living in London then. Then we moved to Essex. So obviously I couldn't get any follow up. And I remember after the third miscarriage, I was really crying. I think I was so livid and I was crying for help. And I think one of the nurses said, oh, we have a chaplain here. Do you want him to pray for you? And I took that and um, I was thinking it would have an answer for me. But I guess in his own way, <laughs> he probably didn't know what to say. And he just hmm. kept saying, um, um you'll be all right. Um, let us pray, Father Lord. I said, why are you praying? Hmm. Prayer is bringing hmm. my baby back. Why are you praying? Hmm. And I think the man didn't know, he didn't know what to say. And hmm. it was just wow. reading the scriptures and saying his own. And I think the more he was just talking, it wasn't really addressing me. So I was really getting very angry with him. And um, I just kind of, really lashed at him <laughs> mm. and I said you know what this prayer you're doing is it working and for me I really wanted answers and I was at the point of God why me and of course mm-hmm. it led to many more after that many more miscarriages they did mm. test myself and husband they ran tests the hospital Basil then then we had moved because I had three more after that they did test after the sixth miscarriage and they said mm. I was fine, that everything, hormone levels, my husband too was fine. There was nothing wrong. And mm. they couldn't find out the cause of the recurrent miscarriages. And I think this was when I began to feel so low. Mm. I think by the sixth one was when I had a, to- a breakdown mentally. I think I just mm. went into wow. a shell. I think after I was discharged from the hospital, for me, I never had a DNC process during my miscarriages. So mm. it was naturally expelled from my body. So I think the pain and the shock, just watching was mm. always so painful. So mm. at this one, at this, I think it was the fifth or sixth one. And if you could pardon me, I can't remember the exact time, but I knew I couldn't take it anymore. We had still not told anyone, mm. you know, wow. because at church, because I was, it was always a first trimester loss, people didn't see me pregnant. So mm. people just pass a comment, oh, you're looking fresh, or what is happening? And of course, you don't really want to mm-hmm. say anything. And I would just smile. And they'll say, oh, what's happening? Oh, we're waiting, you know? I, I mean, I went to a church where I had a lot of mm. Nigerian community, African community. So mm. sometimes people just thought like they asked you, oh, what's going on? You guys have been married. Where are the babies? And 
Um, wow. You now just smile because you really mm-hmm. don't know what to say. But we had told our parents at this time, we had told my mom and um, my um, parents-in-law, you know, at this time, and they were praying with us and encouraging us. But um, I couldn't tell a friend. I only had one friend I told. Um, but most people, I couldn't tell because I felt people didn't recognize it because it was first mm. trimester. I wasn't mm. showing. So to mm. people, I didn't really... I, no one spoke about it. I didn't really mm. look pregnant, you know. But for yeah. me, mm. there was a life. I saw a heartbeat. And later I was told there was no heartbeat. So um, I went through seasons of... I was angry. Hmm. I didn't want to pray. Um, my faith, I felt my faith was really Ooh. being tested. I didn't, I needed answers. And I think for me, answers was, I was really searching the internet for, okay, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I don't eat well enough. Maybe, you know, I was just, then he started bringing friction into my marriage because I'm like, you need to stop eating this junk food. We need to eat healthy, you know. I wasn't really dealing with the loss, but I was just looking for answers to, I need to get a successful pregnancy. I think that was my focus and that was feeling me so much. Hmm. And um, after that um, fifth miscarriage, when I left the hospital, I was quiet. I didn't speak for days. My husband wow. was worried. He said, I woke up one morning um, in the middle of the night. I was dressing up and I wanted to leave the house. And he said, where hmm. are you going to? Because I've been crying the whole day. And I said, I need to go and look, make myself look good. I was going out to, to the hair salon. This time oh, we're living wow. at Barking and I wanted to travel to, um, we're living at Basildin and I wanted to travel to Barking hmm. at 11 p.m. I was like, there are no oh, wow. trains. Wow. Where are you going to? And he said, I was just talking. I wasn't making sense. Hmm. I was just saying, I need to get out of the house. And I think then it was frightening. Then he called someone. Hmm. Um, an older couple we were close to married hmm. couple and I was very close to the wife and the husband so my husband called them and said look I need your help I'm alone with Kemi I think she's not well she's just speaking mm-hmm. and he just mm-hmm. told them so they rushed down they lived far away but I think they drove all the way down to be with us and we, my husband told them everything that had been happening. And I think for the first mm-hmm. time I did, I, don't, I think she just told me, why did you, why didn't you guys say anything? Why did you mm-hmm. keep it to yourselves? This is such a very, it's a big deal. And that's when I realized it's a big deal. I could talk about it. Mm-hmm. And of course, for a couple of days, uh, my husband didn't leave the house because he just wasn't sure of my state of mind yes it wasn't (laughs) sure so he had to um sign off work for a couple of days and um and he kept speaking to me that kemi will be okay and he kept saying Mm. do you know i love you so much i mean having children is not just the ultimate we've got each other which is so important i think yes i don't disagree with him i did agree that but i was so consumed with i wanted to her. I couldn't, why was I missing it? This was not God's promise mm-hmm. for me. I read stories in the Bible. I believed Exodus 23, um, you know, that says, none shall be barren in the land, none shall 
miscarry, you know, the number of your days shall be filled. And mm. um, that seemed missing in my life. So it, it looked like it wasn't happening to me. And as a believer, I, I was struggling with that because mm. I saw that anywhere a woman had a challenge, eventually had her children. So why was I going through this? I wanted answers. I was like, God, I was like, why me? Mm. You know, and mm. um, yes. So um, I think by wow. the ninth, um, seventh miscarriage, that's when the consultant said, look, uh, we've done our our test here you are okay but there is a specialist clinic for recurrent miscarriages we'll refer mm. you to that clinic it's in London are you happy to go I was like of course and then I was referred to the clinic after six weeks I got an appointment they ran tests and they came back with the result that I had an autoimmune disorder condition which is called mm. anti-phospholipid syndrome. And wow. it's, the short name is APS. And it was um, the cause of the recurrent miscarriages because mm. I did so for any future pregnancy, they advised that they needed to thin my blood, mm. sustain, um, so that it could sus- the pregnancy could be sustained because I, I guess maybe in the medical, I don't know how to describe it, but because um, the, the fetus wasn't getting sufficient blood. It wasn't flowing. That was what was causing the miscarriages, this condition that was appearing in, when I was pregnant. So they said it was easy to treat. It's been something they've been seeing in women in, with re- recurrent miscarriages. And they said I, I, I should relax. So I, I went on to get pregnant and I lost it with all the drugs, the medication. They gave me blood thinners for the seventh and the eighth. Um, I think, no, at the time I got to them, I'd had eighth miscarriages. So the ninth miscarriage, Hmm. they tried it. I lost it. Uh The 10th, they said, okay, immediately you're pregnant. We're going to give your GP a letter to prescribe the medication for you. So you don't have to travel all the way way. into London to get the prescription from us. So I was excited thinking, okay, yes. So immediately I'm pregnant. My GP is there to give me the drugs. Mm. And that happened and I lost it. Oh dear. You know, I would go for the scan, everything would look okay. They could see a heartbeat and suddenly I start bleeding. Mm-mm. And after a while they said, we're sorry, we've lost the heartbeat. And uh, oh, gosh. the doctors couldn't understand. So they said, okay, we would increase the dose of mm. um, the injection mm. you're taking, the blood thinners a bit and mm. see maybe we were mm. not giving the right dose. They did that for the 10th and I lost it and the 11th I lost the pregnancy and I think the amazing thing was at this point I knew what I was dealing with because prior to that time they Mm. said I was fine you know my hormones Mm -hmm. my husband's hormones everything was fine but now I there was this giant that was there right Mm. at my you know, staring at me and being so difficult. And, you know, Mm. the more you research, you begin to find other people, you know, that's what the internet does, especially social media. It could bring you to a platform where you can find people going through what you're going through. And I enjoyed this group because I found a certain group where 
they were mixed people, we're all grieving, we're all, you know, trying to conceive, trying to carry our pregnancies to full term and being hopeful. So we just used to just talk, you know, just I, I, I found comfort. I didn't know these people. We didn't know each other because it was just um, a yeah. platform. Mm. And you log on and you chat on there. But everyone was dropping tips. Everyone was encouraging themselves. Um, mm. And uh, it was like, I found people that heard me, that knew what mm. I was going through. Yeah. And at this time, a few friends knew, but I don't think... Um, they just felt sorry for me, but I don't think mm-hmm. I had anyone to walk with me. And um, also we meant, we told our pastor and our family life pastor at that time, she's a counselor. So she's a trained counselor. So I went to her, spoke to her about it, crying. And um, she said she, she 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 was empathetic and she did tell me that she's not gone through what I've gone through, but she knew a lady that had 12 miscarriages and she felt that mm. if she connected me with that lady, wow. it would help because she's been there. She and um, I took up her offer and she introduced mm. me to this lady, an older lady in church at my local church. And um lady shared her journey and you know i think by then i'd not had up to 11 i'd not had up to 12 but finding someone actually meeting Mm. someone that gone through Mm. what i I was going through i think it brought a lot of hope Mm. it brought a lot of i could really share how i really felt i could talk about the anger i could talk about I see other people pregnant and I'm just like, why can't that be me? You know, and mm. I think when you want something so much, it seems like everyone around you is having it. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever felt like that. Yeah, yeah. So on my way to work on the train, it's like everybody was pregnant. <laughs> Every tube I was still pregnant woman, I just felt the pain was always so fresh. And I had this person to always call mm. to and tell her, be honest. I couldn't be honest with any other person, but I mm. could be honest with her. I could be honest with my husband because he could see me really the way I was. And I could be honest with her. I could mm. tell her, yes, I have faith. I believe in some mm. promises I've seen in the Bible, which I read and which I believe in, which my faith is anchored on. But also, I feel this is such a lonely walk. Mm. I feel people don't That's talk probably. about it mm-hmm. yes uh, and you begin to feel so bad that am i right to be, react like this you know hmm. but having someone to tell you it's okay so it's normal it's fine to feel like that you know mm-hmm. it's fine to feel your faith is going down but just don't give up that's what she does to tell me yes mm-hmm. cry if you want to cry you're allowed to cry but don't give up don't take yourself away to stop believing that things will get better and believing in in what god has said believing in those promises you see believing that you would also carry your children and Mm. um, i was happy so i think um that was one of the best decisions one of i made during that journey and my husband too used to strum on and speak a lot about 
moving on because I think for me, I just wanted to sit down and wait to be pregnant and finally have this child. So my husband constantly used to remind me that there was life beyond mm. this. He used to remind me to ensure that I was doing other things I enjoyed doing. He used to tell us that, look, there's more to this than having kids. So I started pursuing my career. I focused on, you know, doing everything I could do at work to get to the top. And I focused on that. We traveled, you know. Yes, there was a loss, but life had to go on. Because mm. I think one major thing, um, I know it's quite difficult sometimes, but you want to get to a place where you don't want to have lived your life not doing anything because you're mm-hmm. just on mm-hmm. a rocking chair waiting, waiting for something new to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this, this, that was loaded. <laughs> that was loaded, you know, and hopefully we'll, we'll pick, we'll unpack some of the things you've, you've shared. Um, but before you do, you know, just what you said about having someone who had walked through that journey, you know, gave you comfort even though yes your your answers were not i mean you you still didn't have the baby at that time but there was someone else who heard you who who knew they might their experience was different but they knew they understood and as soon as you said that i remember how that was how stella and i met a friend called and said oh because before then there was no one else in my world who knew what it felt like to have lost a baby and so i Mm. felt so alone but i remember my friend just well, I think she texted me and just said, oh, there's this other lady in my church who lost the baby a few years ago. Would you like to speak to her? I grabbed it quickly. I'm like, yes, please. And I remember that first conversation. It was for it was long, right? It was about an hour. So I can't remember how long Stella and I spoke. But for the first time, I was able to share how I really felt. And I felt heard. Mm. I felt heard. Mm. So just hearing you say that, mm. you know, I'm like, wow, we need... And that's why when we go through things, we shouldn't, how do I put it now? We should be willing to share our experiences with others because there's so many other people who are suffering in silence. But yes, let's try and unpack some of the things Kemi has shared with us. Yeah, it's so true, you know, and one of the things that um, you, I picked on when you were talking is the culture of not talking you know, especially within, you know, the African community, the Christian community, where there is this culture of not talking when you're going through Mm. um, a challenge, because it can seem as though you don't have faith, you know, and I really love how, you know, you brought, you mentioned that, because at that, at that period, like Dutala said, there were not too many people who were sharing what you you had been through and the minute you found that one person you know light happened you know and if there's anyone who is listening to us who is is experiencing a miscarriage has experienced a miscarriage look for someone you know reach out to one of us reach out to any of us talk 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 you know there's so much so much relief that you know, and hope that can come just by just talking to someone and sharing how you truly feel. Now, I want you to um, um, speak about how you and your husband grieve differently, you know, because I, I, I hear you, you mentioned the fact that he had a different approach to, you know, 
your the, your grieving styles were different. You know, you were at the point where you were here and he was there. You know, how did that, you know, the dynamics of how you all grieved, how, how did that happen? What was his reaction as opposed to your reaction? Um, I think um, for me, um, my personality to please, I think our personalities play. Um, my husband is quiet, is a man of few words, but, and I think that caused initial conflicts in our marriage when, because I was, I'm open, I just say what I want to say out, I'm quite um, open-minded, I just speak out, I'm outspoken, that's the word, and um, so I could say what I was feeling, and he was just quiet, and I couldn't get it, uh, initially, I couldn't get it at the early years of our marriage. Why I couldn't see him cry like I was. I mean, it's all. It was also mm-hmm. your child. You you were expecting this baby like I was, and um, and he would say, "Kemi, I need to be strong for you." And I was like, "Why are you being strong for me? Who is going to be strong for you?" Mm-hmm. I think his focus mm-hmm. was on me, so I was just there doing all my drama you know, and um, <laughs> just being me. And he was there. But I think at a point during one of um, our losses, there was a gentleman that called him because I think it's so easy for most people to see the woman because, yes, I know she's the one that carries the child. So you can see that physical thing and breathe mm. and come to her to say, oh, we're sorry, you know, be there for her. And for the men, he has to take someone being intentional, you know, coming to them and saying, how are you feeling? And I think uh, my husband finding one or two people to talk and process his feelings, um, like um, the husband of the lady I met came in as a friend to him and one other person. And um for me, I would speak for him. I didn't understand him at first, what he was going through. But I think uh, because of his personality, he was just trying to analyze things. That's how he mm. was. Or I was just there, which was fine with the way I was doing. But I didn't understand. I wanted him to probably grieve the way I was grieving. But with mm-hmm. time, after a couple of years, I now understood that, look, Sean is different from you you need to speak up to you need to be mindful of that so after i've had some of my drama i would call him and ask him if we could talk and um, mm. sometimes he would talk sometimes he wouldn't and i w- i had to begin to respect that and mm. um, leave him to process it his own way which I guess it's the, I couldn't, it took me a while because I wanted him to do it physically. Let me see. But Mm. I think for him, he needed to do it differently and I needed to begin to respect that. Yeah. So, yes, we're both different. Yeah. So he was, he was going on, seeing it from a perspective, like we will have children, but can we put our lives on hold? Mm. We're seeing that way to, Let's move on. Let's continue to make sure we're flourishing. Let's continue to build our marriage instead of fighting each other. And I mm. think that the word we're a team was so important to him. So mm. he wanted us to know, I'm here with you. 
we're here for each other. Let's work. Just continue to remember it's not just you. I'm here. So it just used to stress about remembering that I've got your back, just like you have mine. Let's just yeah. look out for each other. So yes, oh, I, I like had that. to respect the differences. I had it was difficult for me. I won't say mm-hmm. it was easy initially, but I had to respect the different way we were both built. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think in season one, we talked about how male grief and um, female grief can be different because of how we are built and how we express our emotions, you know, and I think it's really, really important for our listeners. If you haven't listened to that episode, Mm -hmm. um, please go back and listen to it um, because it will really help. We, We say that most of the problems that arise is usually with regards to how one partner is grieving, grieving you know, yeah, the other person yeah. is, you know, is, is misunderstanding their way of processing things. And that usually brings a conflict, you know, so it's not yeah. actually the loss, but it's how both parties are grieving, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. So, um, Kemi, I know you kind of touched on this a, a bit, but I wanted you to talk about some of the things that was said to you or done to you in that period or you know, over that extensive period that you found helpful or unhelpful? What do you wish was done differently? <laughs> okay. Um, I think um, first, um, being someone of Black African um, community, um, I think the way I will start with the negative things, the things I didn't like, Mm-hmm. I think we need to first assess the situation. And if you don't have anything, if you're not close to someone, I had people just walking up to me and just saying things without knowing me. These were not people hmm. that had a relationship with me. Hmm. I'll call it busy buddies and just yeah. <laughs> saying whatever they felt they needed to say. And um, I think that really helped me because I felt the best you could say was being quiet or saying, oh, I'm sorry, I heard, and leaving it. Or don't say anything. And people just had reasons. I had situations for personal things. I just I had situations where people just said, maybe it's something you did in the past that's causing this. Wow, wow. I mean, being judgy. And mm-hmm. I, I was so grateful that I knew God's love for me. Mm. I mean, and I think for me, my identity in Christ was so key. So, and it's quite difficult for someone that isn't because you can get swayed by this. I was, and I had people that felt they could tell me what to do. Hmm. I had people say things like, oh, you're too active. Maybe that's why you're losing Mm. the babies. Maybe you need to calm down. Your energy is too much. (laughs) It makes you pregnant. I'm not saying those things. I, you know, I know they care, but I guess um, trying to play, I took part in the loss. Mm-hmm. Or I may have helped the loss is really wow. unhelpful. It you is. Know, blame, because blame. Wow. Yes. Because blame. you're indirectly saying, probably if you're calmer, you're indirectly mm-hmm. saying maybe mm-hmm. the way I do things could have been affected, you know. And... Um, it was um, so, um, it was hurtful, you know, mm-hmm. and um, peop- um, people just saying things like, 
Oh, but at least it was just early. Mm, that's at least eh? You know, like, okay, so that wasn't a child. Mm. <laughs> you don't know what you're being saved from. Maybe the child would have been, would have had issues, unhealthy. I said, you know, I think that's the worst thing to ever yeah. say to anyone. Grieving oh. because even if a child is born with disability, it doesn't mm-hmm. make them less a child. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. doesn't make them that you can't love them or yeah. you, would, you know, they they've got life as well. Yeah. You know, so that's another thing. And um, well, the things I found helpful was you know just asking me, Kemi, what do you want? You know, mm. how do you really feel? Do you yeah. want, you know, or saying, I'm just praying, Kemi, I really, being honest, saying, I don't know how you feel, mm-hmm. but I'm just praying. I think mm. those were things I loved. And I think the most impactful thing was when my family life pastor at that time said, you know, I can't say I feel your pain, but mm-hmm. let me introduce mm-hmm. you to someone that's yeah. walked this journey. She acknowledged yeah. that, yeah. you know, it's mm. easy for us to say, Oh, when somebody lost this person, this mm-hmm. is what they did. Mm-hmm. Comparing. Yes. Yeah. And she didn't do that. And uh, that's why respectfully, I understand. I would never compare my journey to yeah. someone else Mm-mm. that would go through a miscarriage or a loss yeah. or is still trying to have kids and having challenges. I mm-hmm. always tell people our journeys are different. different. And we're yeah. different. Yeah. So I could just give some encouragement on maybe something I did, but I, I'm not going to force it down your path, you know. Exactly. Or, or push it. I could just mention something, just maybe for, like, um, someone said to you to speak to Stella at that yeah. time, mm-hmm. just to help you. So um, I think just saying it is well, just passing comments and you don't really have anything to say can be hurtful. Or, mm-hmm, yeah. or tying the person's way of doing things can be hurtful. Intellectual comments, like we like yes. to call them, that are emotionally yeah. useless. Yes, yeah. yes. I think that's the right word. And we need mm-hmm. to, and we need to avoid. I know we always want to know what's going on into people's business, but we need to try to avoid it, especially when someone's lost someone trying to find out how did that person die. It doesn't bring the person back. I don't think that's the first thing you should um, dwell on. Mm. You mm. need to leave that to the person to say when they want. Yeah, when they're ready. When they're ready. When, yes, when they're ready, you know, to talk about the whole thing or asking me, did you, I, I heard the comment once, did, why did you go to work when you were pregnant? You know, mm. you should be putting mm. your feet. I'm like, I need to work. There are hundreds of pregnant women that go to work while they're pregnant, you know. Yeah. And for mm-hmm. me, I kept asking the doctors, do I need best bed rest? And they said, mm-hmm. that wasn't what was, that wow. wasn't my condition. That, there was, mm-hmm. I didn't have that complication. So they couldn't recommend because I was really getting filled with all the good comments in quote. I mean, caring comments. Yes, it was really <laughs> dealing with me and I was beginning to wonder maybe could it be right maybe i need to calm mm-hmm. down but i think maybe as i something i've done mm-hmm. yes. yeah but i think yeah. as i continue to go through these losses and my faith i just knew it had nothing to do with me you know because mm-hmm. there are people that i've not known they've been pregnant for for months and they're fine and i didn't 
I, I had to come to that place of understanding that that peace that knowing that it had nothing to do with me mm. medically i've done all the checks there was no need for me to have bed rest mm -hmm. you know it was just this blood thinners i needed to take but unfortunately they couldn't see why i wasn't responding yet. to the treatments yeah wow the wow Wow. Wow. So many things people say. I remember um, me, someone, you know, said, you know, maybe I wasn't taking pre, pre, pre pregnancy vitamins, prenatal mm -mm. vitamins. That's why my daughter was sick. Hmm. You know, people said things, so many careless oh, yeah. and hot things, you yeah. know, that I, yeah. you know, <laughs> that I have quite forgotten, you know, mm. but we need to be really careful. careful. We don't know what to say. Say nothing. Say yeah. Say nothing. And that's why a lot of people don't talk because they feel they're going to be judged yeah. or analyzed or criticized. For me, one of the questions I got was, okay, so how did it happen? Ah, wait, how did you put your baby to sleep? Because one of the, he didn't, you know, he didn't wake up from his sleep. How did you, you know, asking how did we put our mm. baby down to sleep? Implying that. to the fact that that's, it's something you did or you did, did not do you know oh. and if there's anybody listening that feels that guilt mm. that blame that has been yeah. put on you put on them don't accept it yes don't don't accept don't no, no, accept no. it it's not about what you did or did you not do did do not, not allow anybody put any blame on you blame or make you. you feel guilty for the and don't put the blame yourself. on yourself as well yes please wow i think we talked wow. we did one we did a whole episode yeah, on blame on I, I remember being so passionate in that episode <laughs> <laughs> like no do not accept it stop it <laughs> it's stop very it. important mm, um yeah. i was just gonna add that um, also um i know it's quite difficult because for some people their personality could affect how they react yeah you know, for me because I think I'm outspoken. Sometimes I could actually tell them what you're saying is so unhelpful. I could be direct mm -hmm. like that sometimes. And for some people, maybe because of the relationship, I found it difficult to say because probably I didn't expect them to speak that way. I could remember comments like, oh, someone used to stress on, oh, at least you can go on holidays cheaper. Just you and your husband, you can travel what? anywhere. You don't have How to worry. Insensitive. I, I just felt, you think there is no joy in traveling with, even if you have a brood of family and so many kids. How could you say, you know, you can get up and go. Nobody mm -hmm. lay you. Yes, we did enjoy backpacking. My husband and I would just pack a few things, get on a plane and travel somewhere within Europe. Yes, but... I don't think it's your place. Exactly. It's not your place to tell me that. To tell someone that, no. oh, you can do things easier wow. because really? you don't have, you don't children, have kids. You know, is, you know, and I think that was one of, the, uh, for me, it's not like I have, it was a very hurtful statement for me to still mm -hmm. remember that after yeah. so many years. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was, um, oh, at least it was, you know, still a baby. I remember uh, my uncle, his 15 year old just died. I think he got scholarship to Harvard or wherever. Or they were, you know, they had just paid his school fees. Something around, I can't even remember. But the fact that you're comparing my baby, saying that mm -hmm. I haven't I need, invested I so much. So at least you've not invested that much. I'm like, really? I wanted to get up and slap this person, but. <laughs> 
thank god for jesus okay thank god yeah jesus yeah i think we now we know better we will do better yeah yes yeah so um your book just a season right was written to encourage waiting families and those going through infertility so how did you find the courage to not waste your pain after all that you you went through how did you find the courage to share your experience so others can be encouraged um yeah so can you can you share did you did you experience doubt writing that book or fear or thinking people are still going to judge me walk us through some of that I think the first reason why I wrote the book was, I think, um, because through the journey, I found out we don't really talk about it. And that really got me um, in a place where I felt we need to talk about this. We need to discuss this, especially the African community. I wanted, I think even the thoughts of penning down, because just when I was pregnant with um, Theodore, my first son, I was penning down my thoughts, you know, about what I was going through, so many things. And I felt probably if there were, I had the courage to have spoken earlier when it started happening, there's, um, it will probably have, maybe I would have dealt with more things um, earlier on than having to deal with them later. Um and I felt we needed to talk about it. I wanted to be different. I wanted, I felt I can't just go through this and shy under it because it's a real problem. Yes, it was early tri- first trimester miscarriages, but it's still a big deal. And I wanted to mm. share that bit. And I think because um, I had, um, I didn't have a deal. I didn't do any deal with God saying, no, but I wanted more people to know this thing is real, is happening, is affecting homes, is shaking people. And this is what you can do. You know, that support is needed. That's why I wrote the book. And um, I, I, I know some people felt, oh, you're putting all your life there, out there. Mm-hmm. And I felt, why not put all my life out there? I mean, you don't know who's going to help because it doesn't end yeah. with me. Challenges will always happen in life. After I get old and everything, more people will also have to deal with infertility. People will have to deal with this and we need to talk about it. And it's not a taboo. I think during um, during the time I was going through it, it was like, hush, don't talk about it so much. I mean, it's a bad thing. You shouldn't talk about it. And I was like, no, it's not a bad thing. It's a natural thing. It's not, it's beyond your control. It's not anything you can help. We need to stop blaming ourselves. We need to reach out to people that are going through it. We need to yep. let them talk about it. Don't hush yep. them and say, oh, that's against everything you believe. You know, mm. let them talk about it. It's natural. God, yeah. we have feelings. They've, we've been given feelings to express them, not to mm-hmm. suppress them, you know. And um, that was one key thing. And I felt that. Yes, I know I had the why me when I was going through it. I didn't understand. But as I had this mentor friend, this older lady with me walking me through it, Mm. I began to find that I wanted to make myself available to help other people Mm. as well, um, to walk through it, to be there, not saying I feel your pain, but just to be like, I'm here if you Mm -hmm. want me to if you want to talk, you want to cry, you can cry. I cried. Yes, I didn't pray for days. 
I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want, mm-hmm. pe- you know, those things are normal for you yeah. to feel that way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I also wanted people to know that we need to stop keeping it to ourselves. There's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. If it happens, be there to tell someone, do you, because if I'd known it was happening, that one yeah. before, I probably yeah. wouldn't have felt like I was, I felt so life. Probably wouldn't have felt like, oh, the whole world hates me. I wouldn't have ever gone through that kind of thought, thinking, oh my goodness, just you. You must have really done something so bad. But now knowing that it happens, but we don't talk about, and also, I think um, I'm so glad that there are more research is going on now to allow people to talk about mm-hmm. it that yep. they try to get the government to deal with how this care, the care we get is taken seriously in the hospital. You can't just take it for granted that someone's had an early trimester miscarriage and okay, bye-bye, go home. You get pregnant another time and it'll be all right. So um, I wanted to also share that, yes, even though I'm a Christian, I had faith, I was mm-hmm. jealous. I had, yeah. wow. I was angry. I was jealous of my friend that was mm. just popping it easily. I mm. yes, it was. Yes, it was a feeling that went through. But of course, I was happy for them as well. Um, yeah. I would acknowledge that. I was jealous as in why do I still have to keep waiting to have mine? Mm. So it wasn't like oh, I hated them. No, don't get me wrong. It was just that bit of. Why am I still here waiting? Why other people are just Mm. when will it be my turn? Um, Doubt. Did I have? I had fear because when I was pregnant, you know how the mind plays on you. It was just like, oh, those signs are coming back again. Mm. So there was that battlefield. There was that battle in the in my mind of okay, I'm pregnant again. What should I do? So that was there and I wanted to explore it. So those are things I wrote about in my book, exploring the feelings I went through, exploring my thought process through Mm. each pregnancy, exploring how I felt and how I fought on, how I held on. And those were one of the reasons why I wrote Just a Season. Um, I wanted to talk about, I know people like, are you talking about everything? I said, yes, I'm going to talk about everything so that someone else reads that book and can tell me. And I do get that now. People tell me, I felt like you were talking to me when you were right, when I was reading your book. Mm. I felt that was me, you know, acknowledging Mm -hmm. that, okay, this is okay for me to feel like this. This is okay for me to to change myself up this way this is okay wow. For wow. so good so good yes thank you so much my darling sis you, you know there's yeah. so much you shared i just want yeah, you to you. very briefly tell us about your miracle babies tell us their names tell us their personality just very briefly just tell okay. us about your miracle babies <laughs> okay um i have three miracle babies and my Ooh! firstborn <laughs> is theodore he was going to be 10 in December this year. Wow. Um, yeah. so he was born um 2nd of December 2011. Wow. And um, he's such a... I tell him so much about the book mm. because when I wrote the book, I had not had the twins then. So it was after wow. I had it. So I tell him so much about the book and mm-hmm. um, he's excited. So I say, oh, so mom, I'm so special. You guys were really waiting for me. Oh, and I say, yes, bless. you are special, you know. <laughs> And so that's why you have to behave properly. I use that. <laughs> and um, 
he's such a, a confident boy. He is um, loving and he looks out for his siblings. He's always been like that. He, he really wanted to have siblings because there's been a gap between him and the twins. So then he was like, mom, why don't I have a brother or a sister? And I used to tell him to pray. <laughs> and so um, when I had, uh, when I felt pregnant with the twins and we told them we we're expecting twins, everyone in the school knew I was pregnant. Wow. Even if I said, I was like, it's a secret, you know, you don't tell anyone. But he told his teachers, his teachers, you know, mentioned it. He told a few mm -hmm. friends, you know, he was excited mm -hmm. to be a big brother and he mm -hmm. got double. So he, um, then that's the other. Then I have um, the twins born 9th of March, 2017. Wow. And um, the first twin is a girl. She's Sophia. Sophia um, she, 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 she's got so much energy. I think my husband says she's like me. She's just so <laughs> outspoken. <laughs> and she, she's so caring. And um, mm -hmm. she looks after her, her twin's um, brother. And that is <laughs> Joshua. We call him um, the mighty man, um, chairman. He's so full of energy. I mean, when you come to my house, you would, or anywhere you meet him, you will see that he's got the energy of like three boys. It's just <laughs> oh energetic. You know? Bless and, them. Um, yes. Um, so the twins are still young. And mm. so I've never really shared um, the story of the journey, but I have shared it with mm. you, though. And he did. Um, um, on my Instagram page, I recorded my son reading chapters of my book. Wow. I'm putting it on there, you know, mm. just um, to talk about my book a bit on my first, on my Instagram page. So, yes. Um, wow. yeah. you, pr you probably need to write a second book now because obviously I know, I know. there's a different angle. Because I'm sure after you had Theodore and the miscarriages came back, you're like, ah, they found me again. <laughs> Yes, wow. I think um, after I had you, I just thought it was over. It could yeah. never ever happen exactly. again. So I think hmm. it was a shock. Yes, that hmm. one is a different journey. It was a shock to yeah. have a twelfth um, miscarriage, then the thirteenth, then they now found another issue again. I think that's another story. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you need to write book two now. We're calling I've you been out thinking now. Thinking about it, but you know, no, no, no more thinking. No more thinking. You need this to start. You, you know, take you, it. Take you go on your results and go and write I, I it. Work, I work full time. <laughs> you I know, have an excuse. someone needs that excuse. story. Someone <laughs> needs to hear that yes, story. I think so. it's important because I learned lessons. Uh, yeah. You know about going through it and it's happening again when you don't expect expect it. it. Yeah, that that's was, a whole different that's process. another purpose that's yes a whole different yeah process wow. and dealing with that yeah yeah wow 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 we're just gonna ask you now to just say a prayer you know that we can go on and on and on there's so much to mm -hmm. unpack and we, we're going to recommend your book to everyone listening because we can't fully cover everything but I want you to just pray over everyone who is going through a miscarriage right now who has experienced one and hasn't fully healed and recovered. And for the many people who are still waiting for their miracle babies, I just want you to pray over them. Okay. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we ask, oh God, that for everyone that is going through a lost pregnancy loss, Father, you, we pray for the comfort and the strength 
to have to hope again, to believe that um, they will go through this and come out on top. Amen. We ask for you to speak to their minds, that their minds will still be focused on good things, on the possibility Amen. of life, not to ever give up. We ask Amen. for those that need to um, maybe take decisions on cutting out any impact, any negative relationships that would cause them to continue to grieve. Lord, we ask that you find a way to reach them. Amen. And we also pray that for many that are going through a miscarriage or a loss, be with them, give them hope to know that one day, just as I finally carried my miracle babies, they would also have their miracle babies Amen. in good health, in good state of mind as well. Amen. And we pray for many that are believing for a miracle baby, whether or not they've ever had a miscarriage or not, but Amen. they're waiting on having children, their own children, Lord, we ask for this blessing that you would give unto them in the name of Jesus. Amen. We ask that many will believe and not give up and Amen. that you will bless them with the gift of children. Amen. And no matter how difficult it may look, that they would see that light and Amen. that hope in you will not win away in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Wow. Thank you so much for that prayer, heartfelt prayer. We know some people might want to connect with you. So what we'll do is get all your contact details, including where they can get your book and put them in the show notes so uh, that people can go get your book and reach out to you if they need to talk. So thank you so much, Kemi. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Detola and Stella. Thank, um, you. thank you so much. I have, I'm a listener as well to your podcast and I have oh. learned a lot. Oh, wow. It's also taught me how to relate with people when they're going through their grief. And wow. I wanted to say, well done. You're thank doing a fantastic you. job. Thank that is really you. needed in this thank time. You. At this pandemic where people are dealing with losses so mm -hmm. god bless you guys oh, and i'm looking you. forward to season two yes so i need to get my spotify yeah. ready yes yeah. yes so <laughs> yeah wow 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 i am so encouraged <laughs> uplifted and we hope that you our dear listeners have been as well. Thank you so much, dear Kemi, for being so open and real and for sharing your inspirational story with us. We're so thankful that not only did you go through 14 miscarriages, but God came through for you in such a miraculous way and you were able to turn your pain into purpose. Praise God. So thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. So there you have it, um, listeners. Um, thank you once again for tuning in. If you would like us to support you in any way, please reach out to us via our email. Hello at whenlifestops.org. Don't forget to leave us a comment. Don't forget to rate us on any podcast apps. What you're doing with this is the more you rate our podcast, the engine, the, the, the podcast engine will 
recommend it to others because they're like, oh, people love this podcast, right? So you're helping us get the word out to other people. So please leave a rating, leave a comment um, so that you can help us get the message out there. Also remember that we're doing shout out now to people who leave us comments and reviews and that might just be you in the next episode. And of course, please share this podcast with anyone you know who may be experiencing loss or even with those who want to support others that are going through loss. Well, thank you so much again, Kemi. Thank you to all our listeners. We hope you found this episode worthwhile. Till next time, we pray you find the grace to find new meaning to life after loss. See you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you, Kemi. God bless. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>